Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. New Year's resolutions are just hard to keep up with, but saving money is easy at savewithconrad.com. Wouldn't 2022 be easier with lower monthly payments? Get the best rate you've ever had. Pay off your credit card debt and even get the cash you need right now at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to get started, and you can even skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. Find out how much money you can save for free at savewithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to DDP Snake Pit. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famers, Mr. Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake, how are you, man? Oh, I couldn't be better, man. And of course, we couldn't do it without DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. Dallas, what's up, dude? How are you? Dude, I got a lot going on right now. No kidding, <laughs> man. If you'd have told me I've been this busy, Going to be 66 in a month. I would think you were smoking crack. I can't believe this is real. You have a show on Netflix that starts today. Guardians of justice. The internet is blowing up this morning. Talking all about it. Uh, I don't think a lot of people knew you were in this. They kept this a big surprise. And then, you know, the, the fans of this just bam, hit the button and oh, wait a minute. Is that diamond Dallas pages voice? Yes, it is. What's going on, man. You know, this is a, a project that a buddy of mine named Adi Shankar, it's called an art Adi Shankar experience. And he's been, he's produced stuff from killing them softly with Brad Pitt to, uh, uh, to the gray with, uh, Liam Nielsen, I uh, did uh, drug the judge dread, not the one with sly, the other one. I mean, he's done a ton of movies and he'd gone, but he's not just that he does things like he did a lot of stuff on YouTube where he was just doing what he wanted to do the way he wanted to do them. And around this time, about seven years ago, he had got a hold of me and asked me to, you know, be a part of this project. And when I first read it, I mean, I, I absolutely wanted the main character, which was Nighthawk. But to be perfectly honest, I didn't really, you know, I didn't know if I really could do it. And uh, he's the one who talked me into it. And uh, super proud of the work because this is like something no one's seen before. And there, there's a lot of really cool superhero stuff out there right now. You know, I love The Boys. That's a great show. Um, there's a lot of great movies out, you know, that are superhero. But this is something that's super different. And there's... 
eight different types of 2D animation. There's claymation, 3D animation, and they and Adi found a way to work it through the season of seven episodes. So I just would love people to go uh, on Netflix and and then shout back, you know, and let me let me know what you think of it, man. Uh, you know, a lot of we got a really good response going into it. We were at the uh, the Cannes International Series Film Festival uh in october and we got really like rave reviews out there so uh we'll see you know you never know what's going to hit i'm uh super excited about it man because it's you know my wrestling career took eight years to be an overnight success ddp yoga eight years to be an overnight success this is seven and i hope it is that uh we'll see uh also what we started shooting here here in atlanta we started shooting a new docu-series that we're calling Change or Die. And we'll be bringing out some information about it as we go along. But we're, you know, Jake moved into my place in the accountability crib. Well, that uh, was Change or Die. <laughs> that was Change or Die, you know. And um, I rented it after, you know, after everybody got out because I bought another place. And I asked my renters to leave so we could go back in there because we have six bedrooms in there. So we're going to bring five people in to the house and try to help them through this journey. And it, it'll end up on, you know, a major cable network or who knows, maybe primetime. I don't know. We're or the news. Or, <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah, I hope not too. But uh, it's going to be really educational. That's going to teach. It's kind of like Biggest Loser meets uh, um, The Apprentice meets Fear Factor. And The Fear Factor, kind of like, I don't eat Brussels sprouts, you know? <laughs> you know. And then we show you a really amazing way to eat them. You know, uh, one of our guys, Dylan, who works here, when he came in, right, when he was, he, and so many people helped us, you know, with Jake and helping get him and Scott on the right path. And Dylan one day was like, he don't eat any vegetables. And he's like, what the hell happened? I'm walking around here grabbing Brussels sprouts and eating them like they're Skittles, you know, because really food comes down, real food comes down to cooking it properly that it make it really taste great. You got to educate yourself on how to prepare it. Yeah. And we're, we're going to do that. Bag and eat it. <laughs> yeah. And we're, and we're going to do that. And we're really excited about it. We'll talk about it as we work our way through it, but guardians of justice today on Netflix as a Netflix original is uh pretty amazing. So I've never seen anything like it. Go check it out. Uh, you can find it on Netflix. Everybody has Netflix. It's guardians of justice. But let's talk about something that everyone's been talking about again, heels. Uh, we've been waving the flag over here as a reminder. If you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Check this out over on rottentomatoes.com. And this thing is a hit as a reminder, 96% fresh. Uh, this is something the critics love critics love. Even the audience score is 92%. This beats all your favorite shows and it's about wrestling and dude, you're listening to a wrestling podcast. Go check out heels, but. <laughs> Let's let's pick it up, man. Uh, what'd you think of uh, of where we are so far in the season, Dallas? So I think it's been really good. It's captivated me. Um, you know, we we we're gonna we talked about episode six last week, and you know, of course, we don't give away anything. So if you haven't seen it, this is your spoiler alert. Fast forward us if, if you if you haven't seen it yet. But one of the things that I really love that 
you see the vulnerability of Wild Bill at the end with Willie. She can kick some serious ass. I would not fight that woman. <laughs> yeah, like she, she's, she's, she was, you know, back in the day, yeah. the characters. Willie was the valet of uh, of Wild Bill, and Tom, who is number one, you know, you know, feud through life. Him and Tom uh, is Jack and uh, Ace's dad. So. What we don't know, we just think that Wild Bill just a crazy Maybe. bastard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and he's 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 fucked all the rats. You know, he's got a they've all around the world, and you you don't ring all the bells, blow all the whistles, right? And you don't really know the situation with him and Willie because when he comes to town. He stays with her and her husband, and he's got shit in that room for forever. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we saw him get kicked out, and now it really finds you know it comes because she's pissed off at him, and he basically you know we can talk about it now he, he threw the flag and said, "Hey, bitch, you're the reason why." Right? Like I loved Broke you, my freaking heart. Like, and, then, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Now you see his vulnerability, and you're like, "Holy shit!" There is a reason for everything. And that's one of the great things this show is doing. And that's the develop, character development and taking that story and putting it to pieces together and bringing something that surprises the hell out of you. Sort of like a guy peeking around a TV or something, you know, something like that. You know, you know it's, 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 it's really interesting how they, because they, they could have done it quickly, oh, yeah. but they drug that out in, in, in a good way. Yeah, I don't mean in a negative yeah. way. What do you think? What did you think of that? I thought it was finally, we see that he's not while bill is not just a rotten tomato. I mean, we just assume right, this yeah. is just a bad guy. There's nothing likable about him, but then right. we see, wow. Okay. Uh, he's had a human experience like all of us and not everybody's all bad or all good. And we see a different side of him and humanized wild bill for the first time all season. Yeah. And I think it's it, that, that scene alone. Just if you don't bring in Paul Love Wild Bill right yeah, there. Yeah, you do. You know, and I already I already love the guy. I think he's I loved you know, him when he was on top of the hotel. Oh, that, <laughs> that reminded that me of so, something. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like she he is a lot of you, man. <laughs> he is a lot of you right down on wearing the snakeskin stuff, yeah. man. And uh and there are times where where Jake would say things. That were yeah. so inappropriate, yeah. you know, and he'll own them today. You know, I had no filter there. He had no filter, but either does Wild Bill. He has zero filter and doesn't give a flying. <laughs> but he, but inside he does because he does. You know, he just it's the way he's at. And you know, when when you're like twenty years old and you can just drink everybody under the table, wow, man, you're the man. At thirty years old, you're still the man. But if you're drinking like that in 40, everybody's like, hey, dude, come on. You know, like maybe cut it back. But you're at 50. Like, you're just a dirty old man. Yeah. You know, and what really happens, you know, that I that I love this part here with Bill, like you're seeing, you know, the real vulnerability in that he, he is a good guy. And, and I would tell Jake back in the early days before, like I, I said, you know, when we, when we started this podcast, I didn't know if I'd ever be able to have a, a real conversation with my buddy again, but over these last five years, 
the fog has lifted. It's been eight years total, but in the first three years, there's still a lot of fog there. You know, now he's like, he's a different cat. But back then, like where Wild Bill is to a certain degree, yeah. it's like, I would say, Jake, whatever you're thinking of saying, say the opposite. <laughs> say, say the opposite. But he also told me I like myself, you know. And, yes. uh, that took a lot of work, you know, because you can't like that guy you used to be. You got to like the guy that you're going to be, you know. And uh, that's where I'm at now, man. I, I, I'm so happy with life. And, uh, you know, AA, they tell you that if you, do these things that you will be rewarded handsomely above and beyond anything that you thought possible. And that's exactly what's happened. I mean, look at this, you know, AEW hall of fame, you know, and these things just keep coming. Show, a couple of movies and <laughs> yeah, a couple more peanut, peanut butter Falcon. Peanut butter Falcon. I mean, like so many amazing things have happened getting a driver's license again. Oh my God. Dude, dude, right. You driving because now he's not afraid to drive. Yeah. Cause he knows yeah. he's not going to go to a bar, gets you know, get drunk right. and keep, or go to a package George story. Like he knows it. And that's why, and give him super credit for literally saying, no, I don't drive yeah. because I, I can't do that. I knew where yeah. I'd go, man. And so, or you, you don't want to kill anybody either. No. You know, no, so no, he no. would never drive. So we all talk about it like now Jake's got his, got two cars. <laughs> <You know, laughs> a toy and a truck. Yeah. You know, but, you know, that I, I just got a, a, literally a cameo today from a guy who's 42 and he just needs a little ass kicking. He's trying to get sober. He's, he's right on the cusp. And he literally sent me a cameo about that. Yeah, I you know, I, I know you do. I know because yeah. that, that's the way that movie touched yeah. people, man. It inspires people, that. Man. That's what the movie. That's what Resurrection of Jake the Snake. If did, I can man. do it, anybody can do it. And that's a fact. That's true. That's a that's a fact. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, so real quick, I was talking to a longtime friend of the show last week, and he told me that he tried to refinance and save with Conrad.com last year, but we weren't able to help him because we weren't licensed in his state yet. Now that was Massachusetts. We are licensed there now. In the meantime, though, he went to one of those big national companies that you've seen on TV. He got an absolutely great rate, but he was explaining to me that, man, he had this big RS bill coming and uh, things were a little tight. He had these credit card balances that had been hanging around for years and he had these two car payments. And I said, wait, 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 what do you owe on your house? And he told me, and I said, what do you think your house is worth? And he said, well, it's a lot more now. And he told me, and I said, dude, I've got just the plan. Just last year, he signed up for a 20 year loan at a great rate. Now we've been able to get him down to 10 years. That's right. 10 years. He's going to own his house free and clear in just 10 years. And I know what you're thinking, man, I can't afford to do that. I would argue you can't afford not to. Here's what I'm talking about. He's got a three-year-old and an eight-year-old. In 10 years, his kids are going to be 13 and 18. And if life goes according to plan, what do we hope happens when our kids graduate high school? They go off to college, and that's very expensive. The time to think about how you're going to pay for college isn't when your kids are seniors in high school. It's time to get a long-term plan 
for your finances. And I don't just mean your income, but I mean your debt. Here's what we did. We took a look at what his monthly payments were on both of his car payments, and we compared the balances. Then we did the same with the credit cards. And by the way, he told me he felt stuck. He had been making minimum payments for years. He felt like they'd made no headway in at least five years. This credit card debt had just hung around at a crazy high interest rate. But maybe worst of all, now he had this big IRS bill. What was he going to do? He went to save with Conrad.com. And how's this for starters? No payments for two months. That's the cash infusion he needed for his family right now. But more importantly than that, he cut nine years off of his loan. He went from 19 years left down to just 10 years and his monthly payments went down. Yes, he got a better interest rate. He got rid of all of his credit card debt and he got rid of his car payments. But most importantly, he's completely debt free by the time his kids start getting really expensive. You know what I'm talking about? If you've got young kids, you probably think, man, these little dudes are expensive. Wait until they start driving cars and going to college. We're going to help you get a solution for your short-term goals, which is to free up some of that cash flow. We're talking a break from payments for two months, but more importantly, lower monthly payments. But more importantly, it's going to check your box long-term. He cut nine years off of his loan. Now, had he not done that, both of his kids would have been going to college. And dude, nobody wants to pay a mortgage and college tuition for two. Get in front of this. Make a plan with SaveWithConrad.com and do it right now. Interest rates are on the rise. The Fed is going to raise the rates. And who knows what's going to happen with real estate values. Lord knows we've all seen that bubble burst before. Make the best decision you can for your family with my family. Savewithconrad.com is routinely helping our podcast listeners change their life. I know it sounds silly. It sounds too good to be true, but it's real and we can do it for you. We're probably licensed in your state. We're in over 40 states now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And here's the thing, man. If you give us a call and you've got a great rate and you don't have any other debt and you're already in a 15-year loan, we might say, hey, man, you got a good deal. Just keep doing what you've been doing. But don't you want the peace of mind of knowing you've got the best deal for your family? This is the perfect opportunity. Your house is worth more than ever. Rates are on the rise right now. And if you've got debt, lock it in right now at SaveWithConrad.com. And I want to mention, had he not had this conversation with us last week, he would have been stuck making those minimum payments on those credit cards and maybe even worse, had to open a new credit card to pay the IRS. Dude, that is a bad decision. You know you can do better than that. Get the best rate you've ever had. Get out of debt faster. Keep more of your own money at SaveWithConrad.com. Now back over to heels. The ending is what I'm really starting to love because not just is Wild Bill showing his vulnerability, but we're also getting to see Allison Luff, who plays the wife of Jack. And she has like called him out, you know, on numerous sides, like the gerbil and the squirrels and go out yeah. and catch fireflies with your son, you know? Well, and he does it because with him, like many wrestlers, it's all about wrestling and that's it. We had tunnel vision. I had tunnel vision for years. The only thing that mattered was the show. And that's not the way life is, man. You know, it's, uh, it's hard to keep a family together and be in this business. I, you, know, you know, he's done it, and he's done a really good job of it. And I always put him over it, but this is this is just because who he is, is Jericho. Yeah. Him and his three kids and his wife, and I'm sure they've had some rocky times, but it's Chris Jericho. Yeah. But this cat, top podcaster, rock star, and top guy on AEW. Yeah. And what else is he doing? You a know, pilot. Yep, uh, dude. Whatever. Has his own airplane. 
cruises. Whatever he wants to do, and he makes the time. Like I, when I went, when, when you know, because he he did so much. He was the first guy to ever do DDP yoga, and he tell he told everybody from AJ Styles to Zack Ryder. I mean, everybody, uh, Dustin Rhodes. He told everybody, and continues till to this day and i wanted to pay him back because i he was there was no podcasting back then i wasn't paying to be on his show or anything like that i mean it was just chris doing it so i'm like please let me take you and your family to mexico for my retreat that i do and eventually he did come and they'll be phenomenal family time he spent one morning with us after that it was all with what he was doing and they went fishing and his son's a hell of a fisherman and he's got a ridiculously beautiful family like beautiful and he spends a lot of time with him so there's there's some guys who can do it there's other guys who get so tunnel vision i know the way i was i was totally tunnel vision if i didn't have kimberly working with me at the time we would have never we never would have made it we never would have made it as long as we did and we had a great run so uh that's happening with you know you're really getting to see that here and uh i love how they're broadening her character so overall that that whole show man uh, i'm pretty excited about it and now we go into episode seven and uh in episode seven you know that's where we start off again with the father and the son you know conflict man and you're starting to see a little bit about i mean i can't wait for the whole story to come out why he shot himself why i mean there's more to it than what had just happened right you know what 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 got him to that point and i tell you who the heel's gonna be the mom mm. his wife tom's wife that's a good guess that's a good uh, guess there because I, she is so bitter. Yeah, about she hates it. wrestling. Mm. Hates anything about it. Yet, you know, she loves her children. But she see what it did to him and what her life was about and how, how shallow her relationship with her husband was. And she won't even hardly say his name. She, she, she always says, he's, he's in hell. He's in hell. And it bothers it bothers the, the kids. family because they sit in front of the kids. Yeah, the grandkids. Yeah, but yeah, grandpa's in hell. You know, I'm like, damn woman, <laughs> like, you know, a little just, rough. Gotta wonder how you know because what this, got him there? Yeah, but I'm I'm just thinking in real life what really happened with Eddie Graham. Oh, yeah, and killing and Mike. Yeah, and but yeah, but yeah. but how Mike grew up with that loving yeah. and worshiping yeah. his father. God, yeah. you know, I worship. I mean, Dusty, Every everybody who knew him worshiped, worshiped him. Loved, kind of like the same way with Dusty with so many people. And, you know, to wonder what that did to Mike, you know, that put him in that spot. And uh, we talked about that. Mike had killed himself right before you came up. Yeah. And that was a that was a little bit of a wake-up call. Yeah, well, you know? it was for me. So they, they're, a lot of the things that they're doing, you don't have to make up too much shit in this show yeah. because yeah. we've got, you know. There's record of it happening before. <laughs> yeah, right. On so many different levels. But I do like here, too, that now she's starting to get some, um, the wife is starting to get she's some. balls. Yeah, well, she's, she's getting that. But she's also got, she's getting people about her singing. 
because they yeah, saw her yeah. in church. And yeah. now in this in this episode, she gets a huge opportunity that'll end up in episode eight. And I don't want to say what it is, so you know, because I want to keep it clean so people can enjoy the, the show and not just be told. But it's really, it's really well done because it's like I said earlier a couple of weeks ago, it's not a show about wrestling. No, it's a show about people. Right, life, family, life, and, and, and all the ways and the people who are trying to make it and what you do to get, you know, to get what you love, you know. Aces flip flopping back and forth. From oh, I love that's that's really interesting, is how in in our business, like we we laugh about it, but the guys who were heels and we were heels way before we were baby faces. Um, you know, they're they're the nice guys. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the baby faces are yeah. a little too full of themselves at times. Their expectations from you are really too much. <laughs> but uh he's trying to now that he's a heel, be nice to people. Yeah. And some people are buying it, and other people so are not, nice. you know, and uh, I find that really interesting. Yeah, we hope everybody is checking out Heels. Of course, Heels is a big part of our program, but you know what else is a big part of our program? Old Jake the Snake Stories, and that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about Jake's debut, not just in the World Wrestling Federation, but all elite wrestling, and the reason we're doing this is because, unbelievably, tomorrow is the anniversary of Jake's first match with the WWF, March 2nd, 1986, at the wow. Maple Leaf Gardens. And interestingly enough, boy, what's old is new again. Your debut for AEW also this week. It's an anniversary, March 4th, 2020. Something about you and these big time promotions in March, Jake. Yeah, I met my lovely wife of the Ides of March, March 15th. So wow. March is a good month for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's sort of set the stage for some of our younger listeners who are only familiar with your WWF persona. In the run-up for your debut here with the WWF, you'd worked in world-class in 84, you'd worked in Mid-South for Watts in 85, and you're watching sort of the, the growth and the climb of the WWF through what's known in hindsight as the rock and wrestling era. And then of course, WrestleMania and MTV. And, but I've always wondered as someone who grew up in a more traditional wrestling presentation, down and dirty, rough and rugged. Right. Uh, what was your take on maybe the glitz and glamour and gaga of the WWF from the outside looking in? You know, I remember the, the first television I did with, you know, and uh, the numbers of wrestlers there. I mean, just, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. There were probably 70 guys there, <laughs> you know, and, right. uh, and I'm not talking about 50 jabronis and, and, or, or underneath talent i'm talking about stars i mean everybody was there from snooker to valentine to i mean bachwinkle I mean, jyd jyd every piper everyone was there and to look in the lot morocco christ almighty fuji and the list goes on and on of bundy and he just forever because vince went around to every territory and took the top talent and put them in one place. So how are you going to cater to this many people? Vince found a way to do it, you know, and, uh, but to go to the first television and see, you know, <laughs> trucks and stuff that they brought and just everything about it was mind boggling. 
it was like you were on a Hollywood set, you know. Because you come from you so, so small. Yeah. So small. Yeah. Though. Boom. I was in Mid-South, and we were at the Irish McNeil uh, Sport. Irish Boys McNeil Club. Boys Club. Yeah. yeah. Boys Club. Yeah. yeah. No air conditioning, no nothing, you know. It was it was bare tax, man, and uh, it was tough. But to go to to go to that and you know you're jumping on an airplane every day. Yeah, you know, I'd flown, flown very little in my life until I got to the WWF, and uh, the WWF you flew almost every day, and uh, sometimes twice a day. You know, on the weekends you would work a two o'clock show and a seven o'clock show. And uh, not in the same cities. So to, to go on and, and to be a part of that and to wonder, to wonder where in the hell am I going to fit in with this? I didn't think I had a chance, you know, because I've always been really hard on myself. Didn't think I was worth it because that's what I was taught, that I'd never make it. And uh, all of a sudden I'm being given an opportunity to make it. And uh, eventually I did, but to see everything involved, all the pieces, it was just incredible. I mean, here you got, <laughs> you talk about, we had, we had, we're going to have Tony Schiavone next week. I hear going to be yeah. on the show. Yep. Well, now I'm looking over here and we've got, not only we have Gene Okerlund, but we've got French, Spanish, Japanese. Oh, right. What the jobs. hell? <laughs> what do we need them for? You're going there. <laughs> Holy shit, you know. <laughs> and it just it, it never ended. You know, and uh Bill Watts only in interviews, not in TV, but only when you did the interviews would he break down and buy you a turkey sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that was his gift. And he now, you guys need to thank me for that turkey sandwich, you know. And here we go to, I remember my first TV, I'm like looking at the spread that's put out. I'm like, holy shit, this is a buffet from hell with all this food. I couldn't believe it. And you got to think about this, too. When he did all that, he wasn't where he is today. Right. No? This is a humongous gamble. Oh, he, he put his life on the line. Right. Man, he, he, he mortgaged his home. He did it all. You know, it's a great gamble for him. And uh, he got some rough introductions to uh, some wrestlers that, you know, that took advantage of it and uh, spoiled it for others. You know, I, I remember the days there used to be beer in the locker room mm. for after your match. Mm. Only problem is if you were on semi-main or main event, it was all gone before you got there. <laughs> and there was a bunch of drunk assholes waiting to take your spot. <laughs> you know, Wait, was, let me picture that. Okay, I got yeah, it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty brutal, man. So some guys would start early, you know, because that was the green light. But uh, no, it was it was an amazing experience. Uh, I do remember my first, oh, it was just, I, I couldn't see how I would have a chance at having a spot anywhere on the car because uh, there were main event guys in the second and third matches. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about, protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for GoliathLife.com, but to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit GoliathLife.com. And I mean right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their 40s this past year and a half, and I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it. Protect your family. And I suggest you go to GoliathLife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance super easy. Goliath Life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath Life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath Life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Well, let's talk about how you got there because just to give everybody context to this, a lot of the territories are, well, suffering from Vince's national expansion. He really went wide with Hulkamania in January of 84. And we know the creation of WrestleMania in 85 and all the MTV stuff, but by 86, it's really a two horse race with the world wrestling federation and Jim Crockett promotions. Uh, are you having any conversations with Jim Crockett promotions about where should we go? Because we know we're going to see Crockett ultimately purchase the Watts territory. And a lot of those guys come over. Uh, but you had, you know, friends in both spots. Were you ever considering working with Crockett here in 86 instead of no, Vince? no, I wasn't. Um, I'd, I'd had a rough experience with Crockett. I went in at a bad time with Crockett and uh, just wasn't able to do much for me. And um, due to the creative process that Ole Anderson used, you know, uh, God bless Ole for what he was as a wrestler, but as a booker, he is not. And uh, if he says he is, he'll, that's a, just a doubt and not a lie because he. he he knows how to create a fight. And that's just by going with somebody's ass. And that's about as far as the creative process goes. But so I'd had a bad experience there. And then I'd went to Atlanta and got my big break uh, with the. What year was that? Oh God. 84. I was right around there. Yeah. And uh, that was my big break there because I was given the opportunity to book the territory, to create, to be, to be the guy in charge. Sure. And um, I went from being a talent for Ole to being the booker of Georgia Championship Wrestling, and Ole just happened to be right there in the locker room, you know, and because uh, he owned a piece of it. 
and we butted heads lots of times, but I, I was able to take the territory. And uh, after two weeks, I'd fired my top three baby faces, which were Tommy Rich and the Sawyer brothers, and uh, turned King Kong Bundy babyface oh. against the Road Warriors. Uh, Paul Ellering, myself, and the Road Warriors created the Legion of Doom. Uh, that's where that all began. And it's just because we hung out together and we, we shared time with each other. I think that the companies today, one of the things that is lacking is the camaraderie that we had back then. You know, because when you get in a car and you ride for five or six hours every day, you got to talk about something. Yeah. And usually at night, it's always about your match, what you did, what could you have done better? How can we make something out of this, you know, and, uh, and, and things like that. But you don't have that today, man. You know, now today everything's done by email or sending messages back and forth to each other. I guess that's a new way to do it. And it might even be a better way to do it. I don't know. So how did it, how did it happen back then? How did you get in touch with Vince or who reached out to you? Just tell us the story well, of how that came uh, to be. I, um, I was working for Watts and <clears throat> I was on the main event every night, but, um, wasn't being paid for it. Mm. And, um, <sighs> Bill had hired Terry Taylor to be the general manager. And he hired him out of kind of a rib situation. Dusty wanted to get rid of Terry. So he convinced Watts to hire him as a GM. Said Terry's brilliant. He's got this for you and this for you. Terry didn't have shit for Bill, you know. But here he is sitting in this spot. So I walk into the locker room because I, I want to know what the hell's going on. Where are we going to go from here? I'd done an angle with uh, Dick Slater. I'd worked with Lord Humongous, a few others, and uh, and I still wasn't getting the, the money. So, you know, so Bill, I didn't talk to you. He's like, and Terry stepped in. And he goes, I'm the GM. You talk to me. I'm like, you piece of shit. You know? <laughs> and uh, we went into the shower, and I asked where I stood in, in the situation. And um, I learned that night that I was the number five baby face. Mm. Behind Terry Taylor, um, DiBiase, um, Dr. Death, and Jim Duggan. But yet I'm on last every night. Something's not right with this. And, uh, and I brought that up. And they said, well, it's just the luck of the draw. No, it's not the luck of the draw, brother. <laughs> it's bullshit. You, know, you put the guys on last, they're getting the job done. You know, the people that bought the tickets bought them for that match. So Terry told me I was number five. And I said, well, I guess I need to give you my two-week notice. Because I was furious. And I, I shouted. I opened, if I thought about it, I wouldn't have done it. But I'm glad I didn't think about it. Because I did it. I got home that night and told the wife. I said, well, <clears throat> I quit tonight. She said, what? <laughs> what are we going to do? So I really don't know. You know? And uh, I picked up the phone and called Vince. And uh, his secretary told me that he was going to be gone for 10 days. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Because I'd had an opportunity to work for Vince before. He bought Georgia Championship Wrestling. I was the booker, and I made a total ass out of myself. I tore up the book in front of him and George Scott and threw it at him and walked out. <clears throat> yes. 
<laughs> not good, Jake. Yeah, <laughs> sober at the time. I'm not. I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't thinking right. Right. Because I went from uh, having an opportunity to be part of WrestleMania one to working and starving in <laughs> world class. Yeah, I'm talking about starving too, man. I'm talking about making five, six hundred dollars a week. You know, where could I have been? Don't want to think about it. But then I went to Mid-South and cranked it up again. But um, when I gave the two-week notice, I'm like, holy shit, this guy's not even there to answer the call. Because I knew he was picking, you know, top talent from each territory. And lo and behold, about an hour later, my phone rang. It was Vince. And he said, get on an airplane, come up here. So I went. And the rest is history, man. You know, <laughs> just, uh, you know, looking back, hindsight's such an evil thing. Yeah. You know, because uh, with the hindsight, you can clean it up and you can say, what would have happened if you'd done this and done that? What if, what if, you know, well, if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bust his ass when he jumped. You know what I'm saying? You can't look at it that way. because All it's going to do is hurt you. And I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but I have survived. I'm 66 years old and you're about to be 66 too. Welcome to that. <laughs> and uh, things are wonderful. Uh, I could. Sometimes I wonder if, if I'd been sober back then, what would have happened? You know, and I know what would have happened. I would have been given a lot more because people were scared of me because they didn't know what I was going to do. Vince McMahon himself said, Jake, the problem with you is, is we don't know when you're screwed up. Wow. So well, maybe I've never been straight. You know, and I thought that was funny at the time. Well, it wasn't funny. You remember those things like say the opposite. Right. Thing? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, because it didn't matter if I was doing something, I, I still went out and performed. You know, and uh, normally if, if I was messed up or something, I went out and worked twice as hard and put in twice as much time. Because I, I was angry at myself for being in that position. Uh, I never, ever, ever wanted to cheat the wrestling fans out of one bit of energy I had. And they felt that. They knew that I, yeah. I gave it all. And, uh, and I appreciate the hell out of them. Without wrestling fans, you had no wrestling. You know, and, uh, and now it's 66. I'm getting to feel all the love. You know, and that's one thing I can say about the internet, and I, I can say it about Vince too, with them having a 24-7 channel with all the old stuff on there. I get new new fans every year. They're amazing. You know, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's mind-boggling. A kid will walk up seven, eight years old, oh, man, I loved your match with so-and-so. I'm like, I wrestled him, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, then I remember, yeah, I did wrestle him. How do you know? You're seven years old. I, I've been out of the ring for so long. And uh, it's a wonderful experience to have, man. And uh, not only that, but through doing, through moving with Dallas and getting clean and sober, I have a lot of friends out there that were in the same position I was, people that I'm able to help. Now. Uh, there is no better feeling than getting a letter from a 10-year-old or a 7-year-old or whatever thanking me for helping their daddy because now he's moved back home because he's not drinking no more. You know? Right, right. Man, that is so awesome. You know, and uh, I'm saving people's lives that I don't even know. You know, that's incredible, man. 
It's incredible. And it all came out to you trusting us enough, because especially after Beyond the Mat. Yeah. You know, yeah. like Jake was really, you know, I don't think there's anybody else you would have done it besides me. Yeah. You know, but because he knew that we were going to take care of him. But I knew that the story, if he could get to the other side, that would be just like long after we're gone. Yeah. People yeah. would be watching that movie. You know, yeah, they are, man. It's a, it's an incredible feeling, and it's also uh, something that I have to do, man. I, I don't want to let anybody else down, man. I, I let my family down years ago, and I don't want to let anybody down, even if I don't know you. You know, that's why I do a lot of these comic cons now. I get to meet fans and uh, shake hands and and hear their stories about. The first time they see me and uh, who they were actually watching it with, whether it was grandpa or dad or whoever. And I realized that I'm a part of so many people's lives that it's amazing, man. It really, really is. So let's talk about now. Now I'm doing this and, uh, and all I want to do is get out here and have fun and tell stories and, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and uh, move on. This year, it's time to get off the couch and get back into the bedroom. Blue Chew can help. Guys, we know that confidence can take you far in life. And when you feel confident, you're at your best, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take these dudes anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, the process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And guys, I've heard the lady say there's nothing sexier than confidence. Well, Bluetooth can help give you that confidence you need where it counts. And if you can benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free and use our special promo code DDP Snake at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is DDP Snake to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. Well, we're glad you moved on to our television sets. Before we talk about your WWF debut, though, I want to know what you were hearing from some of your old friends who worked for Vince at the time. I think Junkyard Dog you had spent some time with before. Now he's yeah. working for Vince. Yeah, I, I'd been with JYD in Calgary and in Louisiana, where he got his big break. Uh, unfortunately, JYD was. Uh, when I got up there, he was already pretty far off into the bad places. And uh, he was uh, hiding from most people, wouldn't talk to anybody, and just doing his own thing, if you will. And it wasn't good. And uh, missing shows, and uh, it was bad. Another guy, though, you yeah. know, that if you're watching him, you didn't see that. Yeah. No, you, you didn't, know? Man. And, uh, you didn't see that. And that's it, one thing that's great about all, you know, great. I don't know if it's great or not, but no. it's the way it is. So many of the boys 
like, like again, Scott Hall saying, I never had any problem in here. You know, it's out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to walk down the street and when everybody knows you, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're constantly having to be on. There's no downtime. There's no relaxed time. And it's a tough road. And if you're not, especially if you're not ready for it, and, and nobody could have been ready for what was happening with the WWF. Nobody. Nobody could have ever thought it would ever come to having, you know, 100,000 in here, 50, 80,000 there, and, you know, 75,000 in Toronto, 93,000 in Detroit, over 100,000 in Dallas, and they're fixing to do it again. Nobody would have ever thought wrestling would do that. But yet here we are. And uh, the exposure is just phenomenal. It's incredible. And it takes you to some tough places, though. When you, when you first met with Vince, does he lay out the plans for you? We've heard these stories over the years of guys <coughs> would say, I could see you, you know, these grandiose plans in the pitch. Do you remember what that was? I remember the pitch and, uh, you're going to laugh about it, but okay, here we go. Uh, you know, back in those days, I, I wore red karate pants and pull on boots, you know, and uh, slip on boots. And that was it. And when I went up and met with Vince, he's like, oh, I got a vision. You know, I'm like, oh, really? You know, <laughs> I see you in uh, lime green spandex tights or purple spandex tights with a snake going up your leg. And I'm like, dude, I, I, I don't wear spandex, man. Uh, I, I got racehorse legs. I, I don't have Clydesdale <laughs> legs. I got skinny legs and I don't want to expose that. And he's like, doesn't matter. This is what I see. And I see you with knee high lace up boots. And I took the time to explain to him why I wore slip ones because at the end of my career, I didn't want to find out that I'd spent three months of my life lacing up boots because each time you put those boots on and take them off, it takes you about 20 minutes. And I didn't want to spend that much time doing that shit, but he, that was his vision. And then he said, and you'll be carrying a large Python. And before I could say I'm terrified of snakes, He'd written down some numbers on a piece of paper and slid it over to him. So just as I was about to tell him, forget that shit, I'm scared of snakes. I looked down and I seen all those zeros. And I said, damn right, man. I said, you know what? I'm thinking about it. Them lace up boots probably support my ankles better, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. And besides, you got to be tough to wear lime green and your royal purple. You will make me a badass, are you? Oh yeah, you know. Of course, I, I, I bit the apple, man. You know, and uh, back then you did not negotiate money with this man. Right. You got what was coming to you, so to speak, and it's still that way to to an extent. Um, who said it was fair? So what is fair? You have that meeting with Vince and then you put in your notice. I only bring this up because I finally well, I gave my notice before I went to Vince. Okay. Because yeah. it's interesting. It feels like they're trying to placate you maybe with, with mid South because you win their North American title right before you leave. 
and you know, 10 days later, drop it. But still, it feels like that was almost a, Hey, he's griping a little bit. Let's, let's put a belt on him. Maybe that'll shut him up. Is that about it? Yeah. Well, no, uh, they just did that to get one more big show out of me. I see. You know, the the Houston show was uh, Bill's biggest show and, um, Slater and I had done real well there. So he wanted to get one more big show out of me. So we had the, of the match where I beat him for the title and then he got the return and he took him back, you know, and, and I was gone with the way you left the Watts territory here. Is that the reason you think he was, I don't know, for lack of a better word, a dick to you later in WCW? No, no. Bill Watts is funny, man. Here I am walking out the door and he's going, Hey, go up there and get us some talent, bring it back. And I'll give you the book. I've been promising you. Oh my gosh. You know, and I'm like, fuck you, man. <laughs> no, the reason he was a dick to me later on was because he was getting a percentage of whatever he saved TBS. I see. So he got guys to renegotiate their contracts under threat of, we're going to beat you every week on television till you're a piece of shit. Or you can renegotiate your contract and we can get along fine. A lot of guys fell for it. You know, and because uh, there were some nice contracts at the time. And I'd been offered a contract by, um, oh gosh, not Jim Hurd, uh, Kip Fry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kip. And uh, it was unbelievable. It would have been worth about two or three million a year, you know, conservatively, and only working about 60, 70 days a year, you know. It was sweet, bro. And Watts laughed at me and tore it up. And um, then back in those days, Bill was uh, keeping half of your money for your work for 90 days. And if you were a good boy for those 90 days, you'd receive the rest of your money at the end of 90 days. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, whenever he had me, I, I, they asked me to let the snake bite me you know, on the hand. I said, well, if it's going to bite me, let's go for the face. I wanted some shock, you know? So I did that. And I was supposed supposedly about told from Watts next week, you'll come on television and we'll, you'll hook up somebody else with the snake and you'll often run again. The thing was, Sting will be done. Okay, I'll do that. I did it. I went to television the next time, and uh, a cameraman of all people said, you can't have the snake out. The snake's no longer part of your gimmick. What? The fucking cameraman telling me? Bill Watson never tell me. Nobody else told me. The cameraman told me. I'm like, those friggin' assholes. Bill Watts was so foolish back then. He had an opportunity to do something with me. Instead, he went for the one-time kill shot of, oh, our top guy beat the WWE's top guy. Shows you we're better than them. Right. Really? How stupid is that? Well, that's kind of what Vince did. Everybody went up here from there. (laughs) That kind of. Exactly. Stupid too. No. What did Eric Bischoff do? 
They came in and Eric put them all over. Yeah. It ran, ran through everybody. And it worked. It, it worked. worked. You big. It worked. So, Jake, let's oh, talk yeah. about your booker when you go to work for Vince. I think it's George Scott at the time. Uh, what yeah. was your relationship like with George? I never had a relationship with George. In fact, um, he was part of the steamboat thing being dropped on his head on the concrete. Um, uh, George had been a great booker for Jim Crockett a few years earlier, but, uh, meeting, I met him the first time whenever I threw the book at him in Georgia championship wrestling. And then I went up there and he's, he's up there. And that's when uh, we were doing Saturday night live and they wanted me to DDT steamboat on the concrete. And I told him that can't happen. It'll kill him. And I was serious about it. And, um, I argued the point and I told him I wouldn't do it. And Steamboat came to me and begged me. He said that he owed George Scott for his push in the Carolinas. That's when guys paid each other back you know, for doing good things. And uh, begged me to, to do it. He said, I'll protect myself. He said, you can't protect. There's not enough time. It will hurt you. And uh, if you watch that film, you'll see George Scott come into the ring you know, to check on Steamboat. And I'm jumping around the ring going crazy because I thought he was dead. And I'm pointing a finger at Scott and I'm pointing a finger at Steamboat and I'm screaming at him, this is your fucking fault. He's fucking dead. Because I thought Steamboat was dead. Because when I picked him up on the floor, he was limp. Yeah. And that nearly herniated the shit out of me. But here's how sick this shit is. Even after I did Steamboat on the floor, it nearly killed him. Now, Steamboat, his head swelled out four inches. It took two weeks for his eyes to turn black. There was so much swelling. Nearly killed him. What was it? Maybe four or five months later, they want me to DDT Hulk on concrete. (laughs) Are you serious? What happened the last time? Well, this isn't on concrete. This is on a set. It's hard surface, man. It don't give. And what happened? Split Hulk's head. <laughs> well, before we get there, you're on a, another set to make your debut. And what a character he was. Jesse, the body Ventura is going to have you on his body shop. Uh, yeah. this is part of the all-star wrestling, uh, taping that you're going to debut here with the snake. And, uh, we're going to introduce the world to Damien. When did you meet Damien? Who came up with the Damien and uh, name? And, and what do you remember of, uh, being on stage with Jesse, the body here? Uh, I, I came up with the name Damien because I figured associated with the devil, get more heat. And later on, I came back with Lucifer and whatever, but, um, you know, again, it was such a different type setting and show and walking out with the, you know, I'm coming out on the body set and, you know, Vince uh, or George never came to me and said, we want you to talk about this, this, or this. They just let me do whatever I wanted, which was new for me because Bill Watts usually told you exactly what he wanted or the high points off of each interview. So I didn't know I did what direction we were going, nothing. So to go out and do it was, it was tough, but it was still easy for me. Um, as far as meeting the snake, 
I met the snake for the first time that night and uh, wasn't happy about it. And the, they had a snake handler, this dude named Albert, who I swear is a descendant of Charles Manson. This guy is a psycho. And he had a lot of snakes up there in Connecticut, man. He had like over 500 snakes in a barn up there. And he brought the snake and he's like, do you want to get it out and you know, handle it? I'll show you. How to I said, I got it. I didn't have it. I knew how scared I was of it. <laughs> I, I wanted to force myself because either you're going to pick this snake up, Jake, or you're going to lose your job. Mm. It's time to shit or get off the pot. Hey, let's run a timeout right now. I want to give you a heads up. We're going to be talking about a lot of things here on the podcast that are going to make you feel better, give you that confidence, give you that peace of mind, move you in the right direction. We're all about positivity here on the show, but here's something I'm positive of. We're all adults and some of us use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Well, Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes the best nicotine gum lozenges and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. It's a new year. Why not start it out by switching to a new nicotine product that you can actually feel good about now growing up. And I'm sure eventually we'll get to Jake's testimony about smoking, but growing up, both of my parents were big smokers. I grew up hating it. It felt like we were really a slave to cigarettes. What car we went, whose house we went to, what restaurant we went to. And man, if we were in a public place, they'd have to go outside in the freezing cold to smoke. Come on. If you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That's lucy.co and use the promo code DDP snake at checkout. Also, I have to read this disclaimer warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Of course you already knew that. Uh, but remember if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, visit lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code DDP snake. But something amazing happens with me. It's just like we talked about earlier. You can feel really sick or or have an upset stomach or be high or whatever. When the bell rings, click, something happens in your head, and it's on time. It was the same thing with the snake. When the bell rang, I had no fear of that son of a bitch. It's crazy, man. But I watch you no. out there with smoke. Forget the python. I find out later. <laughs> I find out later. The first thing a snake is going to strike, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, is your eyes. Really? Because they're moving. Because rapid eye movement is the mm. fastest thing you do. <laughs> and I'm holding up here like this, taking pictures of you, stupid <laughs> bastard. You know. But uh, yeah, it was a real treat learning because I did it the trial and error method, and yet I had to be cool doing it. So that was pretty tough. I was just blown away, like when you, when you got to the Cobra. Oh, and yeah. I get it now because you said they they're do this. They're slow. Yeah, they're very slow. Yeah. I mean, I used to get, you know, messed up and get in the hotel room and put the Cobra on the bed and put my arm out there. And I, you know, I was fast. You know, I could pull it away before you hit it because they, they strike like this fast. That's it. Whereas a rattlesnake or a python, they, they recoil and boom, fire. It, it's faster than your eyes can see. Mm-hmm. But that I'd be in the hotel room doing that shit four or five times and the phone would ring. I'd pick up the phone and forget about what I was doing over here. And the damn cobra would bite me, you know, which 
it didn't hurt because cobras don't have fangs, they have teeth. And it's like a catfish in the mouth. But uh, I would much rather handle that cobra than those pythons. Those pythons have very huge fangs and they rip your they rip your flesh, you well, know, and it's not fun. I'm, I'm curious. I did about- have one that choked me out. Uh, Ricky Steamboat had to pull one off of me in Indianapolis and it choked me out in the match. I collapsed, went down, and Steamboat seen that the snake was around my throat and that I was turning purple. And he he knew to unwind the snake. You can't break the snake's grip because what happens when they lay across their scales like this, their scales interlock. Mm. And you can't break that lock. So you have to get either the head or the tail and unravel them. Mm. Well, Steamboat unraveled it and then let go because Steamboat's scared of snakes too. As I come to, the snake is going into the fourth row. Oh, gosh. And the tail, luckily, is still in the ring. And I lunge and I grab the tail and I whip it all back in. It's about a 17-footer. Because the people were starting the Red Sea movement. They're all running and screaming. And uh, it was pretty incredible. We went back to Indianapolis about three months later. As soon as I got there, I thought I was fixing to be arrested because the police are coming and the building manager. And I'm like, what have I done? And they're like, did you bring the same snake? I'm like, why? Because, man, everybody's called. They want to know if it's the same snake because they want to watch that son of a bitch kill you. Oh, wow. I'm like, I love my fans. <laughs> so, just went out. you know, right no, nobody knew how to really react to what's going to happen at the end of this first match. And of course, several years ago, we were all lucky enough to see on the old school raw. Boy, it's a badge of honor. Now Dean Ambrose was grinning like a possum as you threw that big snake on there. And in well, Dallas, you were there to see that. Do you know why? No. CM Punk told him the snake just shit on you. <laughs> and Dean started laughing. But the first time you do it, I think your win is over uh, an enhancement talent named Mr. Nelson. And, and Nelson is now draped in this snake. This is your big debut. Uh, what'd you think of the visual? What was the crowd reaction the first time folks saw that? Horror. Horror. Uh, in the early days, it was all horror until the younger kids started getting into it. The younger kids like the snake because. It makes mom and dad cringe. If mom and dad don't like it and they shit themselves every time it comes on TV, they dig that thing, man. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, it, it was horror. You know, and I had people, you know, get pretty serious about wanting to get a hold of my ass over that shit, too, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> several times. <laughs> Talk to us about the WWF rings back then. A lot has been written that boy, these were just concrete slabs. These were not the old were. Southern wrestling rings and you're having your no. first match here. Uh, could you tell a major difference in size firmness? The ropes are different. Uh, What's different? The size was about the same, maybe a little bit bigger, but the, it wasn't firmness. It was concrete. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cause what had happened is. The TV networks, NBC being who they are and the different ones that are, you're trying to ship this tape, this tape all across the country. The old rings that we used to use, you know, they, they give. Yeah. They, you know, they, they give for you. 
which is a good thing because that means your body doesn't have to take the brunt of the collision. NBC and those people didn't like that shit because it caused the color to bleed from the blue mat. Why not change the color of the fucking mat? Figure right. it out, guys. <laughs> you know. So instead of changing the color to the mat, they decided they would stick um, support beams underneath. You know, like six of them. That's brutal. And nothing gave. And the first bump I took in, took in one of those rings. I didn't think I was going to breathe again. Wasn't Dallas's ring like that? I remember that being Dallas's really ring was the same way because it was mounted in concrete. Mm, yeah, right. I'm Figure right. it out. I hit that that first time and I went turnbuckle. Oh no, man! You don't hit. We're wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're wrestling. It's time to walk and talk, baby. <laughs> Damn straight, man. It was rough. So after this Canadian loop, you're on the road to the Northeast. You're going to hit Buffalo and Philadelphia. But when the WWF debuts in New Orleans at the Superdome. You're not on the card. Why do you no. think that is? It pissed me off. You uh, remember that? Yes. I was so angry that I wasn't in New Orleans. I wasn't in Houston. I wasn't in Dallas. Oh, I wasn't places. in Tulsa. I wasn't in Oklahoma City. You're I'm over there. there. I know. You're over there. They finally took us to Houston, and I was wrestling Steamboat, and they booed the shit out of Steamboat. Mm. Mm. That's why. I got it. That's why. You're going to fuck with our storyline. What'd you yeah. th- what'd you think about finally being able to wrestle in Madison Square Garden? I think you get a win over Randy Savage's brother, Mr. Lanny yeah. Poffo, but this is such a legendary arena, not just for wrestling, but for entertainment globally. You know, I, I I'm ashamed to say that it didn't really do that much for me. Mm. The building itself. Um Tell you the truth, I didn't like working there. Really? Because it was hell. It was hell to get into. It was hell to get out of. Hard to get in. Yeah. Uh, getting in and out of that building could get you killed. I mean, they would they would turn ambulances over because for a while they'd put us in ambulances and take us out. And then the the fans outside caught on, so then they started rocking them and turning them over. <laughs> uh, I had a limo driver, and he stopped. And when he stopped, they broke every damn window out of it. And they liked me at the time, <laughs> you know, what the fuck, you know, uh, I was more impressed with Boston garden, mm. uh, simply because the parquet floor was in the back and I went over and I seen, you know, the parquet floor, Larry bird, and, you know, the great Celtic teams of the past, uh, but Madison square gardens, I just did not like going to the gardens because if you were, if you flew into Newark, and you've got a 7.30 show, you had to leave by three. It's only 12 miles. <laughs> right. <laughs> what the fuck? You know, if you left at 2, 1.45 to 2, you could be there in 30 minutes. But if you waited till 3 o'clock, brother, it ain't happening. And I hated that. Yeah, I'd hated that too. Oh, I hated, I hated it. it. And I wasn't going to get a rental car and drive in New York City. Hell no. No, ain't happening. You know, I would have killed somebody. I mean, I'd probably got killed if I happened. 
you finally shot. get to your, uh, your, your big shot at the big stage, the biggest show, probably at that point you'd ever been on WrestleMania two. And of mm-hmm. course, most people remember WrestleMania two was in three cities, long Island, New yeah. York at the Nassau Coliseum, the Chicago. Rosemont horizon in Chicago. And of course the sports arena in LA, you happen to be on the long Island spot. You're wrestling George Wells. Yeah. Going to get the win after uh, just three minutes, the big DDT and uh, yeah, here comes the snake, but WrestleMania, man, you, you, just a few days yeah. ago, seemingly you're working with Watts yeah. at the Irish McNeil boys club. And now you're on yeah. WrestleMania too. Yeah. And, and I'm about to make more money than I made in three or four months for Watts. Yeah. And one night, but you know, again, catering was unbelievable. Uh, seeing the hundreds of miles of cables that were put it in the floors and stuff, and then seeing the stars come in. Um, then I got myself in trouble by trying to talk to one of the stars and she wasn't too receptive of it because I had the snake around. Well, I had the snake around. This was before the match. And then after the match, I came back around the corner and she was headed for her spot. And I got the snake around me now. And she's got a little dog about this big. And it's freaking out. And she's telling her two security guys to get me. And they're both about 6'10 and about 400 pound black gentlemen. And they went, fuck you, bitch. And they took off. (laughs) (laughs) uh, What what, what was her name? Uh, Comedian? Uh, uh, Rivers? Yes. Joe Rivers. Rivers. And uh, I got a real ass chewing from Vince. I'll bet. About <laughs> scaring the talent as if they brought in. Well, of course, we know you're going to be programmed with Ricky Steamboat next. We'll talk about that another time. Let's fast forward yes. several years. In 2019, you made an appearance for a vignette for the Women's Casino Battle Royale for yeah. the AEW yeah. debut, All Out, out in Vegas, which. Yeah. They included a fun little snippet. I'm sure we'll talk about it some other time, but you had a, I don't know, maybe a less than awesome moment once upon a time at a really bad pay-per-view called heroes of wrestling, but you did a promo. You want to play 21? I got 22. They made you the dealer for that, which is about as tongue in cheek for a vignette. Really cool spot. Uh, yeah. What were you hearing about AEW and this creation? And Hey, there's this guy down in Jacksonville. It sounded now in 2022, we know what it is. But back in 2018, when first were, people were starting to whisper about this, it sounded too good to be true. Did it not? Yeah, I did. It, it sounded way too good to be true. And, uh, you know, at the time I wasn't that closely connected to watching anything. Right. So I had no idea. I knew that Cody Rhodes was there. I don't think Dustin was even working for him at the time when I first started hearing about it, but, um, you know, how many times have we heard a story? There's gonna be this new promotion, man. That's really cool. And everybody's right. gonna make millions of dollars. And yeah, yeah, yeah. See you. Plus, at the time, I'm too damn old to do anything. You know, and uh You're too what? Too old. Oh, I mean to wrestle. Yeah. Right. You know, so I knew I wasn't gonna be in there wrestling or anything. And uh <laughs> I never seen myself as a uh commentator. Uh maybe I should, but I just never have. And, um, so when they asked me to do that spot, I thought, well, that's cool. The money was good. Yeah. I like that. And I was surprised at the amount that they gave me because I would have done it cheaper. But anyway, um, lo and behold, they asked me to come back and, uh, they do. And, uh, 
which is another surprise. And, uh, I don't know what we're allowed I, to talk about or not talk about, but what, what was your first impression of Tony Khan? When did you first meet Tony and did he lay out sort of his vision for here's what we want to do with Jake, the snake. Now I met him at the first TV I went to. Okay. And, uh, just a sweetheart, man. I, I could, I, I thought he was just some, <laughs> some jabroni that carried papers around. I didn't know who the hell he was, man. Cause he doesn't come across as a Vince McMahon, you know, stare you down type. He's very personable. He's very, very nice to be around. He's just a nice and guy. He, yeah. Yeah. And, and I love the energy that he has. Yes. It's incredible. The energy and his appreciation of what the talent's doing out there. Um, it's incredible. I mean, I've seen him leave his position and sprint to halfway across the building to tell somebody what a great match, you know, and, uh, never seen Vince do that shit, you know, and, uh, I, I appreciate everything that they do, everything to, to birthday cakes for guys on their birthdays to, to the way they handle everything, you know, the hotels that they, they, they put us in and the flights and, uh, you know, just, just all of it, man. It's a class organization, you know, and I see what's happened. He, he's taken what he's been doing for years with football people and the soccer people in England, right. because he owns a club over there. And he's given that same type of love. That's what I call it to wrestlers. And, uh, it's absolutely wonderful. How did the original idea of you sort of, I don't know, developing guys to attack Cody or take on Cody or challenge Cody? How did that come to be? And then how did you land on, on Lance Archer? Uh, they came to me with Lance, man. And, uh, I was glad to be a part of it because I like what Lance does and how he works. And, uh, he's a, he's a fine man. You know, he's a, he's a good man. And I, I really don't want to be around a bunch of assholes, man. So yeah. maybe that's why I'm not in the WWE. Oh, that's no, oh, stop. Man. I, don't that. I was just making it funny. <laughs> well, but, uh, it's fun to compare notes, you know, of how you yeah, first joined the WWF and how I, you joined. I don't want to AW. talk a lot about how things happened to WWE. I mean, AEW. Sure. They, they may not uh, take that too kindly. And I want to respect what Tony Khan wants and his dreams too. Um, just as I think everybody else wants to. Well, we're excited that you're getting a second shot at your dream. You're entertaining us on TV yeah. nearly every week. And I don't know that anybody had that on their bingo card a few years ago, that you would be a regular part of wrestling. <laughs> no, I, I would have bet on it and lost my ass again. See? <laughs> but what's interesting about wrestling is man, it just continues to evolve. And within just a few weeks of you debuting on TV, COVID becomes a thing. And now we're essentially on closed sets for a while. That had to be something, even as long as you've been around the wrestling game, never anything like this, right? No, it was, it was absolutely horrible. And, uh, <laughs> I, I tip my hat to the talent. Cause I'll tell you something, guys, getting in the ring and performing. That's wonderful. Cause you got fans and you pull the energy from those fans. They're cheering you on. They're shouting at you. They're booing you, whatever you're getting that from them. Now you're going to an empty arena and the only people sitting ringside are the other wrestlers and they're not so kind to you, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> they're, 
they're getting pretty stiff with some of the things they say, but there's no, there's no energy there because they're not cheering and getting involved in it. They're just, you might as well put the, the, the placards up and with pictures of people on their faces or whatever, you know, I don't know how sting did it over that period actually worked. It it hurts so much. (laughs) It hurts so much to take a bump when there's no people. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, uh, that's probably the reason I would never, ever talk about a match because I wasn't going to take a freaking bump unless the show was going, you know, and, uh, these guys get out there and they fly like Eagles, man. And, uh, and I do appreciate what they do. I think, you know, I, I, I like different flavors than they do. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we all got to be individuals. I hope, you know, I, I don't like the color, this color or that color. You can like what color you want. I don't. And I'm going to do what I want and what I like. And, but it's, it's such a great place for me right now. I'm getting the opportunity to help some of these young guys on interviews because their ideas, I know a little bit of something about that shit, even though I never went to school for it, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's just good to share knowledge, man. It really is. It's good to help each other. You know, uh, I've been doing a little something for the past year, year and maybe a little bit longer of doing random acts of kindness, Mm. (laughs) you know, anything from reaching over and picking up somebody's tab at a restaurant in the morning, you know, maybe an old couple sitting over there and you just look at them and you see how happy they are or whatever. I'll go over and just grab their tab, man. So this was on me. And I, I believe it promotes love and, and, and kindness to each other. And I think the world can use a lot of that. And uh, it makes me feel good. That's the reason I do it. it. makes me feel good. It's not like I'm going to get a free ticket to something. It costs me money, but it makes me feel good inside. And um, whether it's opening up a door or letting somebody go in the line or whatever, it's not a big deal. Yet, when you do it, you, you see people's reaction. They're almost in shock that you're doing something. And it shouldn't be like that, Conrad. Yeah, I agree. It really should, you know, and uh, messing, playing around with kids and stuff, you know, when I don't have to do that, but I'll spend time with them, you know, and talking to them and entertaining them. That's what I do. Uh, so I can do it for, for one or a thousand, it doesn't matter. Well, we're glad you're doing it for us every week here on DDP snake pit. Today was all about Jake. Next week. It's going to be all about DDP. We're going to be talking about when he really became a star in 1997, the rise to the macho man, Randy Savage feud after turning down the NWO, what happened next? All the twists and turns and, uh, the rumor and innuendo is we might have a little guest and Mr. Tony Schiavone stopping by. You never know who's going to show up here. But we know you guys are going to be showing up. You got some big appearances coming up. Uh, tell us where you're going to be again, Dallas. Uh, well, we're both we're going to be in the same places pretty much straight through. Uh, we're going to be at Red Stick. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Red uh, Stick uh, Comic Con. Red Stick Wrestling. Right. Comic-Con. It's, it's uh, Lamar Dixon Expo Center. 
on March 5th. We'll both be there. And then he's going to be at WrestleCon Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then Sunday with you. Yeah, right. So, so I'm going to be I'm going to be at WrestleCon on Friday. And then we're both going to be, uh, and you can give the details of this, but my buddy Chris Randolph owns that little barbecue place across the street. Now, when the Dallas Cowboys are playing, he throws the biggest tailgate party in Texas. Yes, it and does. There's 1,500 plus people, and it's all the food and the booze and you know the whole the shooting match. And you know, Ric Flair, he's he's the main cat there. It's his thing, but me and Jake and Cabby asked us all to come in with him. And uh, so we're excited to be there. And it's going to be a hell of a deal right before WrestleMania. And WrestleMania is Sunday because I know they're doing it two days this year, yes, which I understood that when it was, when it was you know, dark and you know, when it was no, no people. But when now that there's people, I don't know, that was, I, I wrestled there at my 61st Right, the day before my 64th birthday, when I was in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, and to walk out in front of 101,000 people, yeah, like wow, gosh, to, to, to do that twice, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how that how filled that arena gets, man. And it's WrestleMania, and I think the COVID has been cut back enough. That you know, people like it's so funny where you see some basketball games you'll watch on you know for the March Madness coming. There's yeah. no fans at all. Other yeah. ones they're packed. packed. You yeah. know, so it just it depends where you're at. I know here in Georgia, like we've learned to live with the the COVID, and some people wear masks, some people don't. But you know, just keep your immune system built. Don't don't wear yourself out. That'll help you from getting it. But uh, you know, we'll be at all, all three of those places. And and what's great about the WrestleMania Sunday. When where, where can people get tickets for that, Conrad? Uh, if you want to grab tickets for uh, WrestleMania Sunday, you need to head over to VIPSportsGetaway.com. As a reminder, Kevin Nash, Jake Roberts, Diamond Dallas Page, and the Nature Boy. They've got a DJ. They've got restrooms. They've got a barbecue. I'm talking about unlimited soda, water, Miller Lite, wine, margaritas, and an open bar plus barbecue. And I mean every kind of barbecue. And tickets are on sale now. It's Boiling Tales which is right across the street from the stadium. So if you're going to WrestleMania, this really is yeah. the ultimate tailgate. It doesn't get any more convenient. If you've never been to WrestleMania there, that arena, that stadium is in the middle of nowhere. This is where you want to be right across the street. It's VIP sports, Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, cameos, you guys want to catch a cameo yep. with Jake or myself. We're always up there. Go to cameo.com. It's fun. Knock you out something special. I want to mention too, it's this Saturday at red stick wrestling con is where you want to be. Uh, Gonzalez, Louisiana, man, it is a who's who yep. of the good old days. Hacksaw, Jim Duncan, uh, Tatanka, Akeem, one man gang, Lex Luger, the bushwhacker. How about the million dollar man, Greg Valentine, Ron Simmons, Sergeant slaughter. And of course, DDP and Jake, the snake Roberts, pick up your tickets now at one That's O N E S C O T T S. SHOP.com, onescottshop.com. And that's this Saturday in Louisiana. We're back on the road again, boys. Yeah. Road again. <laughs> and we'll be back next week talking about DDP and the Macho Man Randy Savage right here on DDP Snake Pit. See ya. See ya, bud.